Hallelujah. Good job, team. Praise the Lord. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. <clears throat> I got a message this morning. I've been, uh, God's been putting on my heart for quite a while. Uh, just didn't know how to verbalize things. I'm putting, putting it together still. Uh, but I want to share some things with the church. How many know that we're, if, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that we're living in such an hour that there's a conflicting going on in the heavens. I've got news for you. Any war that begins in the heavenlies, God has already won. Anything that uh, begins. And how do we know? Well, we look at, we're looking at society. If you look at, the, it doesn't take much to look at the news to say, and, and say, man, this stuff is really weird, especially if you're my age or, or early, looking back on what used to be compared to what is today. And we've never seen some of the things and some of the perversions and some of the idiotic things that are happening today. You know there's a, there's a, a spiritual battle going on just by looking at that. How do you know that? Well, basically what happens is nothing happens in the natural that doesn't first happen in the spiritual. For instance, God says, earth be, and there was a planet. Light be, and guess what? The light turned on. Uh, everything God spoke first in the spirit realm happened here in the physical. So nothing happens in the spirit realm that hasn't already happened. In, uh, this, I mean, nothing happens in the physical that hasn't already happened in the spiritual beforehand. Praise the Lord. So right now there's a, there's a, a shifting going on. There's alignment and different things like that. And uh, I, what I see in this hour, I see God positioning his people. This is what I see as far as the church and different things like that. I want to share some scriptures with you this morning. But along that line, God is positioning his people uh, because he's doing an alignment. Uh, uh, and and we're, we're seeing this everywhere we go. Uh, but but it's, it's like, uh, I've, well, to share my own testimony, I came to Key West 33 years ago from uh, you know, upstate Florida, moved my family here just because God said so. I didn't understand destiny. I didn't understand purpose. I didn't understand any of those things. When I came here, God says go. I just went, picked up my family. Uh, we sold our house up in Deerfield Beach that we had uh, and, and came here and, and, and planted a church and uh, built over the years what, what we did. And uh, what God was saying, he said, when you, and this was, this was a scripture I got when I, when I arrived onto this island. He said, when you've done all the stand, stand there for where your loins girded about with the truth. In other words, never, never deviate from the truth. He said, but stand. And when you've done all the stand, stand there for uh, this morning. Let me sh share this also this morning. When, as, when um, Christian was doing this last song, I was sitting over there, and God just spoke to me. He says, for in this hour, come against the spirit of procrastination. Uh, so I'm going to take authority over that this morning in the middle of my message. I'm going to take authority over that. The, the, the procrastination is what's killing people putting off the things that, we're, that God is telling us to do and so on and so forth. So I want to share that this morning, but the, we're coming against that spirit of procrastination. Uh, the medical profession will probably tell you it's some kind of psychological disorder is why you're compulsory uh, uh, procrastination. No, you're just not doing things. <laughs> Let me simplify it for you. No, it, it's, it's doing the things you know you should, should do, but you're just not doing it. Praise the Lord. Amen. So anyway, uh, uh, but... The title of my message this morning is The Place of Conflict, Provision, and Destiny. I picked those three things particularly, conflict, provisions, and destiny. Because as I look through the Bible, that's what I see God doing, he leading them to, the, to a place. Amen? I'll get to that in a minute. 
when I sit down and I, I, I did a little kind of, you know how I like to count words, that, you know, anyway, but I, I counted the words, either place or places in the King James Bible appears 930 times. How many know God is about places? Matter of fact, he created a place before he created man. So basically, before you got here, before we got here, we had a place. <laughs> it was called planet Earth, but we had a place. Uh, so all through the scriptures, well, uh, there's, there's something that preachers go by, theologians and so on and so forth. When you're looking at the scriptures, looking at the, at the Bible particularly, it's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention is the first time you see something mentioned in the Bible that has significance. That theme is generally carried out throughout the scriptures. Well, this places, uh, of course, we see in Genesis 1, uh, 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 chapter 1, basically we're seeing the mention of first places where God says he, begins, he, he made a place, he made a garden, and put Adam and Eve in that place, in that garden. So we see the, 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 the law of first mention here. As you go through the scriptures, you'll be surprised. I mean, 930 times, just, just two words, place or places. So what I did, I broke it down even further. And I went back, because Old Testament's Hebrew and New Testament's Greek. We got that right? Okay, so I want to see what places says in the Hebrew, and I want to see what places says in the Greek to make sure I'm theologically, biblically correct. And lo and behold, you know what I found out what it really means? Places. <laughs> well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, so it, I, I was immediately went to the to the first scripture. I went to it was Acts chapter one. I wanted to start out with a New Testament scripture. I'm going to get some Old Testament scriptures this morning. But the New Testament scripture, Acts chapter one eight, we all know it really really well. Uh, Jesus is saying, he said, uh, he's saying this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Listen to this in, Ju in Jerusalem. No problem there in, in talking in his day. Uh, and in all of Judea, no problem there. But then he says in Samaria, problem there. Uh, uh, Jews don't go to Samaria in Jesus' day. They, 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 they actually purposely made roads to go around Samaria so we wouldn't have to go through Samaria. Uh, that was a problem. Uh, it wasn't very a, a favorable place to go. But then Jesus does one more. And he says, even, and he says, and to the ends of the earth, in other words, to the end of the earth, in other words, every nation, every place that's uh, under creation is given for you to go to. In other words, this is biblically correct that you can go to every place. Now, I said that up front. But how many know what we're looking for in God is our destiny? This is, the other, this is the third word in, in, in the thing. We've gone to places. I came, this is a place. I came here. Before I knew anything about destiny or anything else, I was new in the ministry, young in the ministry. So anyway, we started out here in Key West. And uh, uh, so I thought, my wife, I says, the way things are going, I says, you know, uh, for one thing, I never wanted to come here. This was God's choice, not mine. But I had a nice house up in Deerfield Beach on A1A, a block from the beach. It was, it was nice. It was, it was, I owned it. It was mine. And then and, and, and we, we sold all that, came down here to renting a place that had a leaky roof. <laughs> well, you know the stories. Uh, you know, I could have you know, been more comfortable, I suppose, in Deerfield Beach than here. I understand that same house just sold for I don't know how many millions of dollars now, but anyway, well, but uh, my son 
kept me up on it. I didn't need to know that news. But anyway, we came here and we established. We were going to a CI, a Christian International Conference, my wife and I, to a, a pastor's conference, and we were t discussing on the, on the road. Uh, we had already been in the ministry here about three years, and I was always thinking about the next place I wanted to go. Already knew that this is played out. I'm looking for the next place I want to go. This is the true story. Uh, we're, so we're talking. We're just, uh, you know, bouncing things off, and we're laughing, making fun, and we're, we're places we want to go and different things like this as we're driving to Santa Rosa Beach. We get into that conference the first night there. There's about 2,000 pastors that are sort of from all over the country that are in, in, in there. And a, um, a prophetess by the name of Sharon Stone gets up on the platform, and she says this. She makes this announcement. She says, is, is the couple from Key West here? Now, we never met her. Is a couple from Key West here? And so Diane and I stood up, you know, and everybody's looking at me, and so my friends are elbowing me and different things. Like, anyway, there's, there's, so we're standing there, and she says, God has told me specifically that you're not visiting Key West. You're not there for a season. You're there to homestead. That was the exact word. I'll never forget it as long as I live because it changed my entire life. But you're there to homestead in Key West. I didn't know whether to be amazed at was she sitting in the car? Did they have my car bugged? <laughs> Don't think so. Uh, so but, but God right there, as soon as even, even in joking or just the, God was going to nip that right in the bud. No, this is not where. You're going to be there, homestead. What was he saying? This geographical location had my destiny. My destiny assignment was fastened here in Key West. It, does, it showed me something. It showed me something. It showed, it showed, and I heard, just this week, I heard another preacher say this. I was looking at YouTube and flicking through different things, and this came up. <laughs> Always when I get something from the Lord, I go on YouTube, and I, you know, I'm just flicking different ministers that I know and different things like that. And, and, and I heard this from another preacher, and he said this. He says, your anointing, I, wrote, I thought this was absolutely fabulous. He says, your anointing, in your life is relative to your proximity, but your destiny is relative to your geography. In other words, it matters where you are, where you are at. Amen. I, now I got several scriptures. I can I can prove that point over and over. That's an easy one. I mean, we can prove that over and over again. But the, the, God has a destiny. How many people miss their destiny simply because they will not live where God wants them to be? Well, I'm saying that to say this because we live it in a time and an hour where that's changing. People are changing addresses. I, I remember when I first came into the body of Christ and I was, I was new at things. I didn't know anything. I mean, and I was living up in, in Michigan and I knew that, uh, uh, that there was more to Christianity. I was a Christian for about six years. I knew there was more to Christianity than what I was experiencing in that, in that Methodist church up there. And sure enough, I got working with another guy. I was a union electrician. I did work construction. Worked with another guy, and he began to share about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I actually got that experience on my own in my back bedroom with nobody, with no help whatsoever. And got the baptism. When I got that baptism of the Holy Spirit, things begin to change in me, and things begin to change around me. Challenges came forward, all shapes and forms, but God was also preparing me for a move. In other words, there was nothing wrong with the place I was living, but the place was not the place he has my purpose and destiny. So I was to 
first thing, long story short, we moved to Florida. Uh, we go to my mom and dad's church up in Pompano Beach, and that wasn't any there. I found for another church, so on and so forth. And all these, all the time, there was a disrest within me that I had. That there was something more God wanted to do, and finally it landed in Key West. Can you imagine? I didn't know if I wanted to be mad at God, if I wanted to rejoice in God, if I wanted to make believe I didn't hear from him. Lots of people do that. I, I can't ever seem to hear from God, maybe because you didn't do the last thing he told you to do. <laughs> you see, you're not going to hear the voice until you do the next that he has you to do. If you've already said no to him, okay, silence. Just a thought, just a thought. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go on. We got more things to cover this morning. Hallelujah. Isn't this a good time to be in church? <clears throat> Amen. John chapter 14 is one thing. Another words, I'm going to use plenty of words of Jesus before I get into the meat of the message this morning. But here's another word. He said, in my father's house there are many mansions. Isn't that, he mentions mansions. God likes to live the best. He said, in my house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. In other words, this has been the truth from the beginning. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. Oh, there it is again, that place. I go and prepare a place for you. If God has a place for us in heaven, is it possible he has a place for us here? Is it possible he had a place for us from the beginning? So I go and prepare a place. The place is not ready. It has to be prepared. It's actively right now being prepared because we're not in that place. So we have to assume that because we're not in that place that he's promised, it's a ways off. And there's a preparation that has to happen in that place. Heaven is perfect. Heaven is already constructed. All God has to do is speak, preparation, finish, and it's going to be done. So what is the preparation for and what are we preparing? Because I believe this, I believe Jesus is walking out here on the earth, having us walk out here on the earth, what we can expect in heaven. He's trying to mirror the two places. In other words, if you listen to me here, you'll enjoy what I'm preparing for you there. But if you've already got a mindset on what you're going to do here, you're going to have a problem, and we're still in preparation mode for there. Because there, there's only one Lord, <laughs> and he's it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Help anybody? Am I okay so far? All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. <clears throat> Amen. All right. I go and prepare a place for you. Then he says this, I will come again and receive you to myself where I am, there you'll be also. Where I am, there you'll be also. We want it the other way around. We want Jesus to be wherever we decide to go. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He says, where I'll be, did I say, did I read that right? How many of you got a Bible here this morning? All right, keep me, keep me straight. You know, I'm, I'm old. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you will be also. He's talking about a day where he's going to come and bring his church, rapture his church out. But he says this, and it hasn't changed. It's the word of God. Where he is, we need to be there. So why would God 
lead me, I'll use me this morning, because if I testify about you, you get mad. But, if, but if I, use me this morning. Okay, it, why would God have me come here? Would God really put me here? Have you seen this town? And by the way, you should have seen this thing 30 years ago. It's a whole lot worse than it is today. I, I talk to people, so, and I say, you know where Key West is? Oh, Key West is, oh, it's a, it, it is one hellish Sin brittle town. Oh, yeah? What do they have there? I'll tell you about mine. Do you know today this isn't so bad? You can go to other cities that have worse things happening in Key West. This has become like a, almost like a paradise for real. I mean, it's that when, you, when I listen to stories of other past, uh, what, they're, what they're confronting in their cities. When was the last time you saw a riot in Key West? Or if they close all the bars on Duval Street, maybe. But I mean, when are you going to see a riot in Key West? But I wouldn't want to live in Chicago today. New York? <laughs> Even Manhattan? Forget it. Isn't it amazing? Because there's a, a divine alignment that's happening is why everything else is happening. Okay, so Jesus wants to be not where you are. He wants you to be where he is. And things aren't going to work out exactly the way God has intended for your life until we get that fact down. We need to be where Jesus is at. Now, well, Jesus is everywhere. Is, yes, he is. And God is all-consuming, all-covering. But there's a specific place and a specific destiny he has for each one of us. And that depends on where he has us. Geographical location, like what that one preacher said. He said, it's about, it's, he said, our destiny is relative to geography. Now, that's it. Let's go back to the word of God. We can prove this scripturally. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus also said something. This is a teaching. Now, I want to give you, that's a physical. Let me give you the spiritual just for a minute, and I'm going to get into some Old Testament stuff. Can I do that? Okay. So Jesus is saying, spiritually, you need to be where I am. That's, that's where we need to be spiritually. But he says, here's what happens, another thing, uh, or physically and spiritually, here's what happens spiritually. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, he said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, that would be, we call that, um, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, deliverance, okay? When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, Jesus is saying this, he said, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Three things. He finds it empty, swept, and put in order. That sounds like a pretty good life, isn't it? Clean. We're, we're swept clean. I mean, everything's in order. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. This is, if it wasn't anybody that Jesus, I'd be arguing. Hallelujah, but it's Jesus. He said, and he says, I'll, I'll, he, then he says, then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And then he, they enter the, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Show shall it be with this wicked generation. What has happened to this guy? He's swept clean. How, whatever happened, the spirit has been cast out or whatever, however you want to say it in modern terms, he's free of the demonic spirit. Then what gives the demonic spirit right to come back? And he gives us a few clues to this. He said, for one thing, the house is swept clean. 
You couldn't get a Pharisee to do anything wrong if you paid them. They stuck to the Torah. They stuck to the word. Amen? But you couldn't get a Pharisee filled with the Holy Spirit if you held them down and forced them. <laughs> All right? Amen? So let's understand something swept clean, though we've changed our ways and we've cleaned up our act. Unless something fills that place that we kept clean, something else is going to possess that seven times more over. He said a spirit more wicked himself. He didn't say what kind of spirit. Because I've seen people delivered from one spirit and, draw, and, and be possessed by another. Totally different. That's another subject for another time. I didn't want to uh, labor that. But the fact is, what does it happens when we cast out a spirit which we cannot see spiritually, what happens? He goes to dry places. That tells me that in the spirit realm there are dry places that aren't comfortable. And that the spirit, the only way, he, he has two choices. He can stay in the dry places in torment or he can find a willing host that will host him into, his, into their life. That's what Jesus is saying. And he said when he finds that, he gives some of his buddies that are worse off than him and, and, and possess that. Are you here? <laughs> I want to emphasize that in the spirit, whether you're talking about evil spirits, you're talking about God's heaven, we're talking about places. There's a place for your spirit. There's a place for the, the spiritual place, but then there's also a physical place. Have we got that? Did I, did I get that down? Okay. Are you oh, with me so far? All right. So, uh, amen? <clears throat> I, <laughs> I, I'm going to add this comment here. I just, I had a question about it. I'm going to add this comment. I'm, I'll put it in my notes. I'm just going to say, how many know you can generally tell you can generally tell what fear, what the devil fears, because that's the part of you he's attacking. The devil will attack what fears him the most. Amen? I'll just leave it go with that. Praise the Lord. Amen? The divine alignment, uh, the outcome of the battle, is determined by being placed in the divine appointment. And this is what I, what I believe. I believe that, that, that God has set, geographically, he has set divine places for us to be. Now, in my life, there's been several places. There was a place for me to get saved. There was a place, I don't know if it has to be that way, but I'm just giving my testimony. There was a place where I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a place I had to move uh, to, to, to get a church to where I, and in that church, I found out that particular church, I found out I had a call in my life which nobody ever said before. I never saw myself as a, as a preacher of any kind or any kind of a minister, uh, uh, but that's what was showed in this place. When that happened, I was sent out to start a church from that church and uh, then basically uh, uh, went independent from there. And then, and then uh, uh, it was uh, not too soon after that, we came to Key West and planted the church here. And this is what, so this is, the, this is the progression. How many know there's several places in what I just mentioned? Each one of them was a, was a spiritual growth in God's destiny that he had for me. So I use me as a testimony, but this is what happened uh, in, in our church. Amen? 
And uh, Genesis 12, you find this out. This is, this, is, this is pretty good. You can write these scriptures down. I got a lot of scriptures. But, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, this is what he told Ab- Abram. He says, Get out of your father's, uh, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I'll show you. How many know he was actually telling him, change your place? Here's what I'm going to do for you, but I can only do this if you change the place I'm calling you to. Amen? I see people change their place. I did too. I mean, I changed my place uh, to get a job. I mean, it was um, back in the 70s when there was a recession. Uh, um, I packed my family into an RV, into a trailer, and we tramped around the countryside going from job to job so I could keep working. That's what you did back then. They didn't have any government programs. But uh, uh, yeah, there was unemployment at 13 weeks or, or, you're, or you're done. <laughs> and then, so this is what we did. So, we, so uh, I was challenged one day on the job. I said, I can I really do this? Can I pick up all my family and, 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 and just move them someplace? Got a job, got money, we're doing fine. But can I go ahead and leave what I've got to go? And, and, this, and this voice came up with him and he said, you did it for a job. You did it for a paycheck. Well, that's different. No, it's not. Did it for a paycheck. When I came to Key West, God told me, he says, you, you plant the church here. He said, I'll take care of it. I had never worked a job, but part-time or full-time or anything in this community. God told me not to. He said, don't take any job. He said, matter of fact, I, don't want, I want you very little part of the community. He said, we want you to sit here and I want you to proclaim the word, stand in the word. When you, remember, when you're doing all the stand, stand there for your lungs, you're about with truth. Preach truth, preach truth, preach truth, preach the word. That's what we did. Do you know that he took care of everything in that? Praise the Lord. <laughs> to even what I have today. He took care of that. We never lacked for anything. We never got behind in bills. We never owed no man nothing but love. Amen. Period. Period. So I'll give God the glory for that. But what happened, if I tried to figure in my mind, which I've tried to do several times, matter of fact, there's been several times where I said, okay, this last fiery dart has got to be the killer right here. This, is, this, is, this hits to the heart. This hits a, and it's got to be a killer. Uh, uh, I start packing stuff up. I said, it looks like this is all, it's all over. I can count those probably in the hundreds since I've been here. To make you feel better. But I mean, uh, and, and every time, the 11th hour, God would change something that wouldn't happen. All I know is your destiny is connected to the geographical location. You better embrace it because if you don't embrace it, you're going to be one miserable person. Amen? Let me get on with my message. So he told Abraham, he said, pick up your family and move. Get out of your father's house. Get away from your family. Hmm. Not that he's mad at him, not that there's any problem, but that's not the place God wants you to be in so I can pour out the next blessing. If Abraham refused, God would look for somebody else. Well, I can't do that. That's, that's, too, that's too radical. I can't. That's, no, Abraham did that. You know why he did that? Because in Abraham is something I found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10 that Paul wrote. He said this, he says, for he, Abraham, was looked look for a city which foundations and whose builder and maker was God. That city wasn't Jerusalem. That was David's dream. Amen. Abraham, what he was looking for, he was looking for a city which foundations with maker was God. In other words, I don't care. I'm going to keep my mind on the spiritual 
and you're going to bring me to the place with the, uh, of the spiritual, and I'm going to trust God in all those things. How many know Abraham did pretty good? Amen. A lot, not so good, but that's another story. I don't have time to get into that this, this morning. Now, descendants, let's, let's fast forward to the descendants. How many remember when, it, when, the, when the people of Israel were coming out of Egypt? This is what happened. Listen to this scripture in verse Exodus uh, uh, chapter 23, verse 20. God says this. He says, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in all your ways and to bring you into a place which I have prepared for you. There's that place prepared again. Amen. Amen. Destiny is waiting in that place, whatever that place is at. Uh, so verse 21 says, beware of him and obey his, beware of him, talk about the angel, and be, obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Verse 22, but if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Wait a minute, there's going to be enemies involved? Listen, I, I, I mean, I came through pastor school, and what they always say, look for the community most conducive for starting a church. This is the word they use, conducive. Was Key West conducive for starting a church? Look around town. Even the historical church buildings are being sold off for Jeep dealerships and everything else going on. I've said 30 years of watching this stuff. I tried to buy three of those buildings, cash outright, tried to buy three of those buildings, and I was turned down every time to put it back as a church. This is our little uh, wonderful community. So what you're sitting in today was never a church building until we made it with that. But what you're sitting in today we used to be a Circle Hardware store. Right over here is where they had the fan belts. You're up against the wall on the other side where you're going to have lunch with the paint department. <laughs> I hear. Praise the Lord. I thought, surely, God, you will, you will come in and intervene. Now, he said, the enemies. He said, so what I learned in pastor's school is you go to the city that's most conducive to hear the gospel. The most city is conducive that's, that, 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 that's, that's pleasant, and, and, and your church will fill up. And if you just preach the right message, uh, your church will fill up with people. Amen. That might impress some people, but when God says no, he says, I'm going to send you into the church. God is looking to get into the cities where the enemy is at. The problem is with Christians, we're afraid to get our hands dirty. We want to go to the same church, the same thing, sit in the same seats and do all the same thing. Don't change nothing. But what God has called us to be, how many of Jesus, oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but let me do it anyway. Uh, this is a good place for this scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus calls us salt. You don't take salt and put it in the corner of your plate. You take salt and you sprinkle across the whole meal. What God is saying about his church, his church is supposed to be salt sprinkled across the community. Why? to come as an example so the community will want something better than what they have. But if they look at the church today, they're not going to look at something better than what they had. They're going to look and say, I don't want no part of that. Yes. Are you here? Because what happens is we swept the place clean. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We were so concerned on getting the place clean that we forgot about getting the place filled. And I'm talking about with bodies. I'm not talking about with people. Forget that. There was two people in that prison where the earthquake hit, Paul and Silas. Just two. I got another shocker for you. 
Philemon in the Bible, you got an old book called Philemon in the back of your New Testament. Philemon lived in Colossia. When he says, when he, in Romans uh, chapter 6, when he, when he thanks him for the open up his house to the church, it was the Colossian church that he opened up his house to. How big is a church that you can fit in a house in ancient times? See, you're looking at the wrong numbers. Praise the Lord. Salt, I looked this up. You can look this up for yourself if you want to. It's in the Thayer's. I have a Thayer's Greek dictionary. You are the salt of the earth. You know what it's talking about? Here's what Thayer's uh, uh, Greek dictionary says. Wisdom and grace exhibited in speech. You are the wisdom and grace exhibited in your speech and how you talk that's sprinkled across society. Well, let's go. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but a salt loses its flavor. Now look at the word flavor. And it says this, to become fools or foolishness. <laughs> you lose your savior, you're a fool. I didn't look it up. I mean, don't look at me like that. I, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Amen. <laughs> he said, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing to be trodden underfoot. Jesus is looking for the value in his church that will go out there and use wisdom and grace. Where we get that from? God says he'll give it to us liberally. We have to get it from God. Wisdom and grace that will be mixed in with our conversation, sprinkled across society to change the world. Three men, we call them the sons of thunder, Peter, James, and John, upset all of Jerusalem. The whole, just three guys filled with the Holy Ghost, started doing miracles, upset the whole city. They didn't know how to explain it away. They didn't know what to do with it. They tried throwing Peter in prison. didn't work. Angel kept letting them out. It doesn't look very good for the Roman government when, you're, when, when the, your, your prisoners keep escaping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. What did he say? He said, my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Prezerites, the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. By looking at time of first mention, whatever you want to look at, God isn't looking for the safest city to be in. He's not looking for the least demon-possessed city. If I read these scriptures right, he's looking for the enemy. God isn't running from the enemy, and if he's co-laboring with us, either should we be running from the enemy. Amen. What is the church afraid of? What's it got to lose? Amen? Society has already taken a left turn, so what does the church have to lose? But our destiny is found in our geographical location. Praise the Lord. Another thing in counseling, people will come to me and have... <laughs> Uh, we've had over 3,000 people go through this church in that amount of time. And they'll, they'll say this. They'll say, well, pastor, uh, uh, I think I'm going to go move someplace else. I says, okay, what's, what's the motivation for your movement? They say job or something like that. Well, that's my opening. Say, are you sure? Are you sure you're listening to God? But if they say right off the bat, nope, this is God. You know what a pastor does if he's, if he's of true God? He shuts his mouth and walks away. because I can't be the mouthpiece if they've already determined. Amen. All I will be at that point is an irritant. 
Maybe I will be anyway, but <laughs> but that's that's about well what it, what it means. Most pastors will tell you, honestly, they'll tell you the same thing. Praise the Lord. I was reading. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, I, I, I get this. I guess I get all soon. Here's. A, I, I give you. How many remember Elijah? What did God tell him? He says um, Elijah just uh, prof- or just uh, prophesied that there's going to be a great famine in the land. Remember that? Him too. If you prophesy a famine, you're also going to. If people are going to die from a famine, you are also going to die from a famine. And what happened was that the sins of the people went up to God, and basically it, it cut off their fruitfulness. But God says, here, listen to me, prophet. You go east to the book Cherub, and I've already got the ravens prepared there. The Bible says there. What would have happened if Elijah was like some Christians? Well, I don't know. I just feel leading to go west. You would have starved. Because everything in the entire area was going to go into a drought. When the brook dried up, what did God do? He had another provision, but he had to change places to a Gentile woman. How is that? (laughs) He went in. She had nothing. But this is the provision you're giving us? She's got nothing. She's got less than I got. I got a few sandwiches left over from the ravens. She's got nothing. But he says to her, give me the little that you have that you're going to feed your son with and die. Give it to me first. And when she did, out of obedience, God just blessed her and, just, and, and kept them sustained for seven years. Amen? That's why? But he had, to, he had to follow. King Solomon is, is, is an anomaly to me. King Solomon starts out fantastic. David, you know, King David is King David's son. Solomon actually got into the place where he was going to build the temple because it was actually, and this is what it says in, uh, in 1 Kings 4, his dominion was over an entire region. From, this is uh, Solomon's dominion was over an entire region <clears throat> from the river of, of uh, Tishva to Gaza, namely over all the kings and sides of the river. And listen to this, and he had peace and every side around him and Judea and Israel dwelt in safety, each man under his own vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Bathsheba, that's in the south, uh, down by Jerusalem, is it from Beth- to Bathsheba, all the days of Solomon. The wisdom, uh, i got to sh- shorten up, but the wisdom of God on Solomon, remember the wisdom and grace that we're supposed to be a salt? Okay, the wisdom that was on Solomon was enough to put up a no-demon zone. No enemy zone. This is where I got the idea last night at Harp and Bull. I said, we're going to declare our churches. We'll declare our city. We'll declare. I mean, uh, the fact is, where the devils, the enemies were not allowed to come in. And the wisdom of God that ran through that man actually pushed the enemy. Can you imagine living a life without an enemy? Amen. Praise the Lord. I've seen it the other way. Uh, this was a few years, this was a number of years ago. Remember our church, we had our church down on, e- on uh, Eaton Street. It was, um, it was originally, the building was originally the first, uh, uh, first Baptist Church of Key West. It's no longer there anymore. And it's some kind of, um, I don't know what it is now, theater type of thing or whatever. Uh, um, but we had that building. I offered to buy that building. We were booted out of that building. And that building set 15 years 
before anybody would rent it. <laughs> anyway, it was when we started this one here. But uh, uh, we were there, and we were having service one day, like kind of like we're this morning. We didn't. We had a foyer, but we had a foyer with two blind sides on it. So what I did, I posted an usher in the foyer so he could watch both doors. It was like two doors coming into the foyer part and then into the main sanctuary with a center aisle like we have here. I'm preaching one day, and I see a commotion of fuss going on out there in, in the foyer. Well, this is downtown Key West, so this could be any time, you know, this could be anything going on. So uh, I, uh, it was towards the end of the service, I went ahead and closed out the meeting. I went back there, and here my two ushers are there with this woman and, and he, he, they say, you got to hear this, Pastor. You're not going to believe this. And the woman was giving her testimony. She says, two weeks I've been trying to get to the door of this church. She says, and for two weeks the devil wouldn't let me come in. But she said, this morning I'm determined to break loose of his power, and I'm set free for the first time as I cross the threshold of this church. Wow. True story. Wow. Happened right here. Amen? True story. So we d determined, well, I get determined, I got my prayer intercessors, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start attacking on this thing right here. I mean, this is, this is it. But there's actually demonic forces that were keeping people to come across. She said two weeks, and she said, and she, said she had finally, as, as soon as she crossed the threshold, she didn't even come in the service. She would just come across the threshold in the door there. And she got up and she was rejoicing. She says, I'm finally free. They're gone. Of course, we prayed over and, 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 and filled, that, uh, filled her with the Holy Spirit and different things like that. We don't want the house swept clean. Amen? But that, that was a fact that really happened. And that was her testimony. And she says, two weeks. She says, the devil wouldn't let me come in. She said, I'd walk by the building. I'd just get up the steps and then be pulled back out. And she'd go up to the door. She, said, she was telling us all this stuff. But she said, this morning, <laughs> she, I broke through the door and she fell on the floor. The usher was telling me the same thing. Yeah, she just came in and just fell and collapsed on the floor. And she, she got up and she was smiling and rejoicing. <laughs> I don't make this stuff up. This is real. This is what happens to people. Amen. So, so you do that with what you want. But that fact, that really happened in this church. Amen. That really happened in this church. <laughs> so what about our destiny our destiny is an assignment that God gives us and our assignment is waiting just like that angel he says he's taking to a place he's going to lead you to a place he's going to lead you there and as you're coming out of Egypt that's going to be your that's going to be the place of your assignment go any place else you don't have the assignment of the Lord but go to that place and that's where the assignment is, is picked up again all through the scriptures this is so easy to preach because basically it's if, as far as Proven it scripturally, it's all through the scriptures. Amen. It's all through the scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament, you, you say. It. I remember Paul one time, he was, he, he was sitting in, and, and he says, he said, I couldn't leave to go here because God, the, the Holy Spirit restrained me here. They were so in tune to the Holy Spirit that they, even where they wanted to go, they wouldn't go because they were being restrained by the Holy Spirit to stay here a little bit longer. Do you remember when Jesus went to Samaria? Here's a good one. How many remember the woman at the well? Yes. I can close out with this. How many remember the woman at the well? Yes. Wrong woman, right place, right time. I'm going to say it again. Wrong woman, right place, right time. You know the story, right? Yes. Jesus talks it. Why was she the wrong woman? Why did she come late? 
because she was ostracized by the rest of the village because of what she was. She had multiple men, multiple children from multiple uh, husbands and so on and so forth. And Jesus laid it all out for her. So she was really the wrong woman to be coming. That woman changed Samaria. She went back and she told them, okay, who is she to tell anybody? I mean, sins and all this other stuff. But she went back there, told the city. They said, well, let's get you. And Beg Jesus to be there and spend three more days in Samaria. <laughs> Wrong Roman, right place, right time. How many, I wonder, are in ministry? Wrong person, right place, right time, and Jesus will use them. <laughs> Matter of fact, he's a Jew, known by many as a Jewish rabbi. And now I'm going to just go ahead and, 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 and preach in Samaria. Yeah, we'll do some miracles there too. Let's go ahead and set up a, a crusade. We'll set up a crusade. Let's get a you know, platform. Let's get it all set up. And yeah, three days. We can do a three-day meeting here in Samaria. But don't you realize that this is Samaria? Jews don't go into Samaria. You say, yeah, we're going into Samaria. Again, where's the most favorable place to start a church? Not Samaria. Why didn't Jesus go ahead and build a synagogue there? I mean, it was, you know, probably because nobody would show up to it. But I mean, the fact is, is, is this, it wasn't in, in our mental thinking. It isn't conducive. The more I started preparing for this message, the more I started feel, feeling better about myself in Key West. <laughs> Not that I need to feel better, but I mean, I clearly heard the word of the Lord here. But if that's the case, if the Lord will set a man here that will stand in resistance for 33 years, then what has he called you to do? What has he called you to do? Amen? Because he's calling. Everybody has a, everybody has a destiny. Everybody has a purpose. There's nobody born without a purpose. That's not God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Help me by this morning? Amen. Your anointing on your life is relative to proximity. So wherever I'm at, I'm anointed. So, well, in the Spirit of the Lord, we, I am. I'm talking about the Spirit of the Lord. I'm talking about his destiny, his plan. The Spirit of the Lord is everywhere where you go. You take Jesus with you. We've heard that before, right? Amen? He's everywhere you go. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your function in the kingdom of God and God's given function in you is for a purpose and a place. I thank God for the places that he led me to, churches that he led me to, that I would have been remained ignorant of other places, even a call on God on my life. Because of a little short Sicilian preacher up in Deerfield Beach who wouldn't take snot from nobody, amen, tough little guy, <laughs> taught me one day, he called me down in a Sunday night service and said, Kevin and Diane can out here. He says, I'm going to say something. He says, God won't let me off this. He will not get off my case. He says, you're going to preach the gospel. That's the first time I heard it. Well, that's the first, not the first, that's the first time Diane heard it. The first time I heard it was four years prior to that. But I was so scared of the call, I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> Including my wife. <laughs> and Diane cried and I rejoiced. Hallelujah. And uh, here we are. We praise the Lord. Help me by this morning. Amen. The house is swept clean. Let's fill it. If it's put back in order, let's keep it that way filled. In other words, what I learned about this is spiritual warfare is more about displacement than it is about authority. 
Okay, I said that. <laughs> Did I say that? And I said it out loud. Okay, praise the Lord. It's about displacement. The fact is, God is also can be displaced from our life just as easily as the devil can. Do you have time for him? If you, have time, if you don't have time for God, he's not going to visit you. If you can't fit God somehow, shoehorn him in your schedule. Guys, I see people, we're talking about revival and coming to his last of the last, oh, we are in the last of the last days. And if you don't know that, just buy a Bible and start reading. Uh, but the fact is, but now what? Amen? Are we, is our life too busy not to include God? Now, I'm not talking about your personal prayer time. I'm talking about the place that he has you, the place he's calling in you, the place he wants to pour out his spirit, the place where your destiny remains and your destiny assignment remains. That's very important. That's very important. Amen? Amen. However, you come to me and tell me, well, God said I'm going to move here, I'm going to move there. I said, okay, be blessed. That's the last word. Amen? Now we can go down the road three or four or five years and you can tell me if that was true. <laughs> and we'll all have a good laugh. How, 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 uh, well, you know, we should have done this. And we should, how many ever has those, those should, I should have coulds? Or should have woulds or whatever. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I should have done this. I should have done that. All oh, man, years ago. I should, well, you, that, that doesn't do any good. But the fact is, is to move on from here. And God does redeem our time. We have the ability to redeem time through God. Let's stand at our feet. Praise the Lord. And now, amen. This is one of these messages for me. It hits really <laughs> close to home. Because basically I, I, I can relive every incident. I can relive every experience. It was a very difficult message for me to sit down because I'm not a type of person that likes to look back. I'm the type of person that likes to look forward. Okay, that was nice. Now what? I'm always looking for the next. Because uh, I know God always has a next. So a sermon like this is difficult for me to preach because it forces me to reminisce, uh, to bring out the experience to show you that you know what it's like, what it looks like here. We can preach word and theology all day long, and it'll be over most of your heads, and it won't mean anything when you leave. But what we want to do this morning is to deposit something that's going to make a difference in your life. To do that is going to take a relationship between different things. I can relate physically to what happens. What does this look like today in our society? What does it look like to be walking into the purpose and destinies of God? I'll tell you what it looks like. I'll tell you what the challenges. When he said he's going to bring it to the enemies, God wants to fight and push back the enemy, and he wants to use us in the middle. <laughs> that don't sound like a happy hallelujah time. But let me tell you something. The victory is a static I can't imagine, I can't even express the amount of joy from the victory of those battles. I've seen them from Africa to South America to Central America. And by the way, all places that I choose to go that God allowed me, except Guatemala. Guatemala was the only country out of all the countries I've been to that God specifically told me to support this man's work. All the rest of them, I was just spreading the gospel, going around the world, laying hands, this is fine. West Africa, yeah, it was Jamaica, yeah, praise the Lord. I mean, different things, different, uh, say, why? Probably because it wasn't, my, that wasn't my purpose or destiny. Here was, but God did say, he says, from this pot, spot here, he told me in 1990, he said, this spot here, he said, I'm going to make it an international uh, ministry. In other words, with an international influence. And we've been doing that, praise the Lord. So I just figured that was a free ticket. Today, get aligned. 
there's an alignment going on. God is pushing. Why? Because he's sound the battle cry, we're going to war. And we need the gunners where the gunners are supposed to be. We need, you know, God is placing, putting the people where they need to be. But we are fighting a war. Make no mistake about it. Our, if you look at society, they have no answers. The medical profession has no answers. Our political uh, uh, has no answers. We got two enemies, Gog and Magog, rising up in the middle, million man army from the east, all rising up until the Bible says so. And we have sitting in where nobody has any answers. This is the time to call upon the Lord for us to, and, and move forward and to be in our battle stations wherever he's called us. But that's where our destiny is supposed to be. Father, we thank you this morning. Oh, this is, this is Fellowship Sunday too, by the way. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for all the hearts that received this message this morning. Help them lead and guide them like you did us. I know you will do it. In the name of Jesus, I know you will do it. And Father, we thank you. And by the way, just as a disclaimer, I don't claim souls. You come to this church because the Lord told you to. We don't claim, coerce anybody. You can go to any church you want to in town. Go ahead. Amen? Amen. But, so we don't, we don't coerce. I have to say that because in this culture where we live, that's, that's done every day. And to me, it's disgusting. And it has been disgusting for 33 years. Amen? We don't need to apostatize or coerce anybody. Amen? So basically, you all came here because you wanted to. God may be speaking to your heart this morning. That's why you showed up. Hallelujah. You're in good company. He's speaking to my heart all the time. Amen? Amen. So praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Your blessings be poured out. And we thank you for your deliverance and your truth. And with that, you bless our bread and our water. And you take sickness and disease from the midst of us there. I just covered the whole grace and the whole thing in there. Did you notice how I did that? Yes. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So all the food, bless the hands that prepared it. Amen. Take, bless our bread and our water, even though it's probably pizza and other stuff. But anyway, bless our, our food this morning. And you take sickness and disease from the midst of us. We give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> God bless you.